Listen For Real. I'm Jen Oliver, and I am here with one of my besties. Christina Fischera is literally sitting within three feet of me. Usually I'm on a screen and somebody else is on a screen, and I'm so happy we're in my living room. We are sitting together, and we are going to unpack some different stuff from our year. And our subject is a little bit of a connector from not last episode, but the one before where I came back and I think it's labeled Jen Oliver gets real. She went from crickets to something. I don't even, I should know the name of my own episode, but it was my coming back after six months of a hiatus and me kind of talking why I was gone. And not because again, I felt like I had to offer an explanation. None of us have to offer an explanation if we need to take time off that we need. That's simply what we do. But I do feel called to speak about why I was gone and what I learned while I was gone and what I'm still learning. Christina and I I have been having a lot of conversations about that. And we want to normalize the conversations around these hard seasons in our life. And she and I both in our own ways, in very different ways, are having really unique seasons in our life right now. And one of the things when we were talking last night, she said, um, how are we doing things differently now, knowing what we know, even though it's not a one and done and everything's just like hunky-dory because we figured a few new things out. So, A, hi, Christina. I just wanted to like set you up, tee you up. I love that. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And as always, I love our conversations, so I'm looking forward to chatting today for sure. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things I want to do is, as a quick recap, many of you know uh, that I struggled with some pretty serious depression last year, and I was asked to give a talk at an indie bookstore near me a number of months ago, and I felt like that was an important place to give this talk and finally out my discussion around my struggle and depression, et cetera. And so I feel like it's bugged me for the last few months thinking, I feel like I need to share this with my people. And so I'm asking all of you guys in pod world to just listen deeply to this quick talk that I gave. um, And I'm I'm kind of honest and raw about what I was going through, so bear with that. But I feel like it paints a better picture for the conversation Christina and I are about to have. And so I said, Christina, do you mind if I just kind of read this or, or share it? And and then I want to pick it apart to be truthful. And just it's a great way to delve in because I was listening back to my podcast from June And I see me halting at like everything. How do I say this? How do I say that? Because it's an awkward thing, right? And we worry if we talk about our struggles that then we look less capable, we look less credible, we look like we can't handle life, all the things. So can we start by me just reading that and then we'll start taking things apart? Because I also want you, and you haven't heard it before, and I want you to also hear it, everybody, not just Christina, but I want everyone to hear it in terms of maybe some of the mess you might be in or difficult season you might be in. And is it just possible we can be in both 
the highly difficult and messy and the beautiful at the same time. Like it's not an either or, it's an and. Or as um, Glennon Doyle calls it, brutal, the brutal and the beautiful. It's brutal. I love that. Um, and I think that's spot on. So I'll read this to you. And yeah, we just got to dig into it because that's that. All right. So uh, early this year, I woke up to a mood that was distressingly a little too familiar. Darkness and overwhelm descended upon me as I opened my eyes. It made no sense. The sun was shining outside. The schedule for my day ahead included meaningful work and time with people I love. All good things. And my emotions felt so incongruent with reality. So, of course, I panicked, thinking, God, no, please, no, not again. I have a workshop today. I'm flying to be on vacation with my kids tomorrow. Please, no. You see, this past year, I experienced the potent effects that come when you mix a medical condition that threw my hormones out of whack. I had like no serotonin in me. Uh, the ending of a marriage, that was number two. And then the third leg of that uh, cocktail or a third ingredient was the surfacing of a lifetime's worth of unprocessed grief and sadness, all stuff that I needed to look at and address that kind of just reared its ugly head. So this situation, which I lovingly call the trifecta, led to one of the most difficult seasons of depression and anxiety that I'd ever endured. So that morning, when I felt the encroachment of dread and despair that came seemingly from out of the blue, I freaked out, thinking, surely I have passed this. I was so sure I was doing better. Please, no. And then my brain kept telling me, if I feel this, if I truly go here, I may not make it back out. And I'm going to pause for a minute. Like, you know, that feeling of if I go here and feel these emotions or feel these feelings, like that's it. Like it'll take me. Totally. And, and you know what that reminds me of too? Did you ever see Modern Love with Anne Hathaway? Okay. So Modern Love isn't, okay. This is the best segue I'll ever make. Okay. This is how it works. Y'all, you know me. Okay, Modern Love is both a podcast and a uh, column in the New York Times, and they made a big series on TV also. And it's all stories of real people writing in about stories about modern love. And it could be a modern love of a parent and a child of two, uh, a couple. It could be, you name it. It's just anything having to do with what love is like as a human in all ways. It could be with an animal. Like literally the stories are that diverse. So they captured one story of that Anne Hathaway was the actress in it. And they took this real life story in the modern love column and they fictionalized it, used these actresses and actors. Anne Hathaway played someone who struggled with bipolar disorder. And you, I gained such an empathy and understanding for how quick your hormones and what's going on in your body can shift and that you could be high and joyous and just feeling incredible. And then in a moment's time, and they show this scene where she's getting ready for this date and she is just this extroverted, gregarious, she's vivacious, she's sparkly, she's just everything. And she's sitting there getting ready for the date and she's playing music and she's putting on mascara. And then all of a sudden she's like, she stops and you see like her get pale and she's like, oh no, no. And it's like that quick. 
the shift happens. Right? Like, oh my God, it gives me so much compassion. And like, we, we cannot understand what moods and, and hormones can do. Okay. So back to my point and where I was going with this, that's where I had such a compassion and understanding when I woke up that morning thinking, how can I wake up feeling so different than from a day before? And it's like, oh God, no, 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 not now, please. It's back. Right. Okay. So I'm back to reading. So in that moment, my brain kept telling me, if I feel this, if I truly go here, I may not make it back out. Because you see, there's an amnesia that happens where I forget that that surge of difficult emotions I might feel in a moment isn't forever, nor is it impossible or insurmountable. But I lose all recall in moments like that. Even though I've been there before and I clearly survived it, my mind convinces me otherwise. So of course, I began pleading, please help me, God, please and thank you. Somehow I have this feeling like I need to in moments of like total despair, I have to say please and thank you. Like that somehow assures an answer from God. I love that. And then I was like, God, spirit, source, universe, highest guides, all that I live and move and have my being in. I was just like, I'm calling in everybody. (laughs) Please help me. And then I trusted this internal prompting that I felt. I called a trusted friend and she lovingly reminded me that I would weather this. She talked calmly about the idea that emotions have energy. And she asked me this question. She said, Jen, can you just sit with all this? Take some time right now and feel it and let it move through your body. Rather than fight it, attempt to fix or deny or numb what's coming up, which I have historically done my whole life. What if you just weathered it and perhaps you'll even move it right out of you? And I thought my usual response was at first, um, no, I have things to do today. It's actually a work day. I don't have this luxury. I have shit to, to accomplish. I got to pull myself together. That's the first thought. But then I remembered the weirdest thing, the first law of thermo- thermodynamics. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change form or be transferred from one object to another. So I thought, could I move that emotional energy? right out of me. And since it has to go somewhere because it can't be created or destroyed, it only changes form or transfers. Uh, I'll use this vase of water next to me. That's where it will go. Like this is what I was thinking as I'm laying in my bed. I was desperate. And so it began. I canceled my appointments that morning. I laid in bed and I clutched this square clear vase of water And at first I agonized over this seemingly indulgent pause to my normal workday and it felt anathemy. My sensibility always says you double down and you pull yourself together. You don't, (laughs) yeah. I tell myself, don't be so precious. Push past this emotion, do the responsible and productive thing. You certainly don't lay in your bed, call for a sick day and let those feelings have power over you. These are the words I say to myself. And I'm outing them because a lot of us say these words to ourselves. But here's the thing, y'all. Those feelings have power regardless. So what if I could acknowledge them, feel them, and maybe even change as a result? So I had racing thoughts and fears and regret and remorse. All, all of those things continued their parade through my mind and around my body that morning. I allowed my tears to fall into that vase. I sobbed. I coughed even. I remember I even dry heaved onto that water. Sorry to be so gross and graphic, but it was like I literally felt like I was purging something out of my body energetically. I don't know. 
I thanked that vase for receiving this grief that no longer served me. Hours passed and the pain continued in waves and then a little bit of sleep. And later I felt a slight lift, a buoyancy. I sat up worn, but grateful to have emerged. I thanked myself, my friend, and all of the divine resourcing that tended to me that morning. And then I walked outside with the vase and I poured my pain with all of its energy into the dirt, knowing that Mother Earth in all of her compassion and wisdom would transmute even the darkest energy into something useful. I thanked that soil for making something pretty out of this messy stuff I'd been holding in my heart and body. So why do I tell you this? Frankly, it's vulnerable and embarrassing. It's not exactly the story that gets me invited to cocktail parties. <laughs> well, first, there's usually someone who needs to hear about our experience. And I believe, as you all know, because I talk about this all the time, there's power in both the telling and the witnessing of our real stories. It's cathartic. And I'm not the only soul who struggles. And second, I'm slowly coming to realize that we can still create pretty things even when times are hard, that pain and difficulty can coexist with progress and impact. It's not an either or, as I once thought, it can be a both and. Again, blowing up my echo chamber that thought I was so sure I had this figured out. I used to believe I'd never be successful as a writer, a speaker, a business person until I had fixed everything in my life. And then I'd be qualified to tell you all about any idiosyncrasies, any struggles, any issues. I would offer you the edited palatable version that comes from hindsight. And sure, I could pick up a mic or write a blog post or coach someone, but in my mind, only after I'd figured everything out. Then I could divulge unsavory details because I'd tidied them up by then. I implore with you, with every person listening, whether you write, whether you speak, whether you create, whether you innovate, whatever it is you do, whether it's just you love other people and you are raising little humans, that you can bring your gifts into the world. And even when the raw material that you're working with is messy and the circumstances are less than ideal, I'm immediately reminded of one mentor and guide, author Liz Gilbert. Okay, Christina and I share a passionate love for Liz Gilbert. She was the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Y'all know her, City of Girls, Big Magic, so many books. And her beautiful message in um, that book I would just reference, Big Magic, and she references it in some of her talks, her podcast interviews. And this theme just rang throughout for me too. Maybe you needed to hear this. It's that we can bring our beautiful gifts into the world despite things being messy and difficult. And then the other thing I was thinking about was um, Robin Roberts. She's on, I think, ABC, and she's a master communicator. She always used the phrase, make your mess your message, right? But how many of us think that the mess must be cleaned up before the message has value? Like, what a load of crap we've been buying into, right? Because, uh, yeah, okay. So, I know I have often felt like exposing these things that we go through is a deal killer of sor sorts. Vulnerability and exposure may feel like the states where we're at our least impressive. But for me, this is a necessity. And perhaps that resonates with some of you guys. 
as an expressive, as a communicator, a podcaster, a speaker coach, I'm always recognizing that natural predisposition in me and those I collaborate with that I want to be as impressive as possible. I want to create a splash. I want to put out the polished and refined product only. That's the only product I want to put out. The impressive over what might actually be real and in fact far more impactful. So I want to offer permission and invitation for all of us. Let's normalize this idea that to speak or write or create meaningful work or whatever it is we do, even when we don't feel worthy or presentable to the world, is actually a huge act of rebellion and optimism. It's a leap of faith. It's a gift of great value because beauty and despair can coexist and make a stunning impact. And so I, I would just love your thoughts, Christina, on, on that coexistence because I know you and I both wrestle with it, but we are both always determined to grow. That's the thing we have so in common is we always want to talk through it. We're eternal learners. We're always trying to grow and expand our echo chamber right? So we're doing it together on this. So what did you think of all that? I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that with us because, you know, it's, it's so hard to be that vulnerable. And like you said, it's like you always want to put out that polished piece of work. And so when you share so openly like that, I just really appreciate it because it's so relatable. And I think all of us have gone through very similar circumstances and whatever our life path looks like. So I just want to thank you for that, first Mm. of all. Um, it also what comes to mind as we were talking about Liz Gilbert is she made a comment. I don't know where this was, whether it was a podcast or a big magic or somewhere else. Cause I feel like I always hear her voice. I don't know if you feel like that, but mm-hmm. I feel like her voice is always resonating in my head, but she talks about bringing your gift out into the world and like it's given to you from God or spirit or whatever it is you believe in. But once, once it comes out of you, you no longer have power over it. It's out there and mm-hmm. it's just in the universe. So relieves you of the responsibility of feeling like it has to be different than it came out or perfect or all the things. Cause that's not up to you. Like you were just the channel through which it came through. Ooh. And so that's what came to mind for me immediately through that. You know, it's like, you kind of don't have responsibility to what happens after you produce what you produce. It's just the beauty is in the making of it and just communicating it out to the world and whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and what, how did, did this resonate for you in kind of the season of tough stuff you've been in, either past seasons, present? <laughs> we have multiple seasons of difficult stuff. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> totally. Well, and I think, you know, the what resonated with me the most from, from what you just read to us is basically when you were talking about like, surely I've passed this, like that moment of like, oh no, not this again. Because you feel like, I, I, and I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but when you go through hard things, it's it's almost like you feel like once you get through it, oh, okay, I'm good now for a while and right. nothing's going to happen again. Yep. And then something comes up when you're not expecting it and you're kind of like, you're having like an oh shit moment. Like, totally. Like, now what? I, I thought we were good. I thought everything was cool. Yep. And now it throws you off your balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what I think the hardest part is. And I think that's something that we can all resonate with. And the fact that it's never going to be perfect. Like there's never going to be like where everything's great and nothing's wrong like ever. And I feel like that's, that's the biggest lesson in all of it too. Like, you know, like these things are happening just as a matter of circumstance of our life journey. Like the journey is messy in and of itself. And that's the beauty of it. So it's, 
recognizing that. Okay. But then I'm going to call us both out on the not postponing joy. Because if that is true, what you just said, that there's always something coming up on that journey. We're not a one and done. Okay. Then can you imagine, and we both have done it, then if you always postpone joy until what? Is it when everything's figured out? Is when everything's okay? When everything's certain? When are we allowed to have joy? Okay. When are you allowed to have joy? I'm going to just totally ask you. That's a great question. I know. Because <laughs> I if like life I... is constantly dishing it up, like when do we get to have the joy? Yeah. And the answer is, I don't know. Cause I don't know that I fully let myself experience it until I feel like things are great and things are, there's yeah. always something going on. You I know. know. What I mean? Yeah. So it's a good question. I mean, I think one of the things that this makes me think about is how in therapy, I've been talking a lot with my therapist about this. I don't know why, and I don't know if this is just me, but I used to feel like you could only have not, and I, I don't know, I'm cautioning myself when I'm thinking about saying this, but like when you go out into the day, like I thought like you either have a good day or a bad day, right? Oh. I, I somehow internalized this idea of like your mood is like one dimensional for the day. And I didn't sort of realize that you could have multiple roller coaster of emotions all in one day. Yeah. And so that was kind of a big awakening for me. And again, I, I, it may just be me here. I know no, that, that, but you know that's what I mean? huge. Oh, oh so God. Think, yeah. Yeah. So like learning that gave me a little more space to be like, oh, I can like cry in the morning and then be happy an hour later and then be mad three hours later. And then like recognizing all of those emotions in a 24 hour period was super eye opening for me personally. Yeah. I had that exact realization. That is so funny that you mentioned that. I want to say it was back in, it was probably around when I wrote that talk. So it was probably in the spring. And I remember having a really hard emotional morning. And then I did some things that I knew to do, like my self-care things. You know, I, I did some journaling. I did some quiet time. I did some prayer and meditation. I went for a walk, you know, little things. And and then I remember that was a day some really big things came my way work-wise and opportunity-wise. And I was just crazy resourced. Like I have had both the, a really difficult year and yet the most resourced, beautiful year in so many different ways from a work standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, from um, all of it. I mean- even where I live, all of it came together, which is stunning to me. And so I remember making that connection that day and going, oh my gosh, yeah, okay, so I had a hard morning, but then the day ended up being awesome. And they both are in the same day. It's like, you're right. It's not, I suppose it could be where you settle in on it. Like I remember when I didn't believe in things like horoscopes, uh, and I would say, oh my gosh, that's just for soft-headed people who need like the power of suggestion on how their day is going to go. So they read their horoscope and it tells them how their day is going to be. And then that's how their day is going to be. And that's really as judgmental as I was because I was that judgmental. And that was kind of the assertion I would make. But I do also believe that our mind and our mental state, right? I mean, it does, it does matter. So yes, our mind does have the power to set a day into motion too. 
So I feel like I'm talking right outside, right out both sides of my mouth. But do you know what I mean? I a thousand percent know what you mean. And I struggle with that too, because I know for me, one of the reasons that I got into therapy is because I was having issues kind of feeling my emotions because I was letting my brain and the mental side of things like strong arm myself through everything instead of feeling. And I, that's the hard part is like finding the balance between muscling through and doing what you need to do because that's a part of it. And there's Mm -hmm. part of that that you need and that helps you in survival while also holding space for what are the feelings and emotions that accompany that and feeling those and processing those. And that's something I still like struggle to find the balance with. I feel like it's a pendulum and it depends on where I'm at (laughs) on a certain day, but it's an important part of the journey. And I think that that's all connected to feeling multiple emotions in a day and like just trying to get through it and deciding sort of where you're going to take that on that particular day, you know? Yeah. And I really, you know what I'm just thinking though, and I want to, I want to just address for a minute. I don't take lightly that I am as difficult as this last year was and my bout with depression, et cetera, was. I really also want to acknowledge like there are people who live with this their whole lives, some or decades, like they have treatment resistant depression, they're dealing with PTSD maybe or OCD or there's a whole number of things that it's just not that easy that you get to pop out of it and have a good rest of your day. Like I just felt like I I need to acknowledge that and I don't mean to pretend while I won't do the thing anymore uh, like there's some hierarchy of difficulty and grief. I, this is what you say. I would have minimized and said, oh, well, I don't have it so bad. There are people who have it so much harder and worse than me. Okay. So again, I want to honor that it's all hard when we're in it and it doesn't matter. There is no hierarchy to grief or loss or pain and that somehow you get an A because yours is really crappy and last 10 years and mine only lasted nine months. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to also acknowledge like for you, my people who I love who are suffering and it's just day after day and there isn't sunshine in the in the afternoon after a hard morning or it is year after year and it's a slog. I I just want to honor you and just say I see you and I love you and I care and and um gosh I hope that all of this still has value and doesn't somehow minimize what you're dealing with and going through. It's hard for me to articulate, but I hope you hear my heart in that because I'm just thinking, I don't, I don't want anybody to hear this and just feel unseen. That's all. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back and break down a few more items. Be right back. Okay. So right as we're on break, because this is when it all happens, is we're both going, okay, when do you know the line of talking about something 
and normalizing conversation about hard things and hard emotions? And when is it airing your dirty laundry? And when is it inappropriate? And when is it like, oh, look at me. I'm, you know, ugh. Okay, right? So, okay, so where do you talk more about that too from your perspective? Because I wrestle with that too. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think it's something that I wrestle with because and not like I think I always come at it from the idea of like I don't want to burden anyone else with it. And I also don't want people to have to deal with me and my emotions around it. You know what I mean? Because of that. And so that's what that makes me think of. While at the same time, like you mentioned earlier, I'm such a voracious like person that tries to grow as a person all the time. And the people that inspire me the most and that I look up to, they have such a beautiful, eloquent way of expressing vulnerability and expressing what's going on and how they're feeling. Yeah. So I aspire to do that in a way while also respecting my upbringing and respecting yeah. the privacy aspect of it as well. So it's like a hard balance to kind of find that line, you know? To, it to is be because think about it. Our parents are of a generation. So we're raised by parents of a generation that you would never talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You would, And that is just societally the way it was mm-hmm. by and large. And you would not burden other people. You'd certainly not tell your kids, right? Right. <laughs> you might tell your best girlfriend. You might go to confession. Mm-hmm. You might do, I mean, there were certain things you would do, but I mean, even our parents aren't like a therapy generation. Right. It's a rare uh, person in our parents' age group that really avails themselves of therapy in the way that we all, it's so normal for all of us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a matter of course, just like you would go get your teeth cleaned, like you go get your yearly exam. Yeah, we go to our therapist. Like, that's just so normal to us. Mm-hmm. But we are still carrying that wiring from our parents and previous generations where you wouldn't talk about it. So yeah, no wonder we're both brushing up. But then as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about Glennon Doyle again. I I know I mention her all the time. You would think (laughs) there's like this crazy obsession. No, it's not an obsession. It's just, there's real. She and in her books and on her podcast with Abby and Amanda, like talk really openly. They do not hold back. I mean, I'm sure there's moments they do, but, and I think, oh my God, I am so the beneficiary of their vulnerability and honesty. So now I find myself going, no, there is no big deal with what we're talking about. We got to get over ourselves that we think it's a problem that we're talking like this. Mm -hmm. And if it was too much or too, that is exactly what we've been taught is it's too much. You're too much. You were saying too much. You know what? No. Just real life. It is. And it makes me think about, you know, you talked earlier about letting emotions move through you. Like you have to out them in order for them to actually move through you. Otherwise, they don't get the chance to do that, you know? So, right. It's like they're trapped. Yeah. They are trapped physically in our body, y'all. I mean, there's so many books on that, how emotions actually get trapped physically in our body. Then they create illness. They create different things. Body keeps the score. Bessel van der Klerk, I think his name is. There's so many books on this. Okay, but will you share, okay, that reminded me of the waves. Will you share about that journal entry that you wrote that you were telling me about? Yeah. So like one of the things that your talk reminded me of was a journal entry that I wrote when I first started doing therapy where I was realizing that I was holding in so many emotions and not sharing them publicly or not letting them move through me. 
And I wrote this journal entry where I basically did an analogy of my emotions to ocean waves, which I feel like we've heard before, right? But but in my journal entry, I didn't even know I felt this way because I'm a written processor and you and I have talked about that. You're a verbal processor and that's why our conversations are so great because I feel like we come at it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. When I wrote this entry, I, w- I read it back to myself. I was so surprised that I felt this way and I had no idea. But what I said was, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't read it, but basically it felt like emotions to me feel like an ocean wave. And what I was doing is I was on the shore and I would allow myself to go in only up to like my knees, like my calves or my knees into the, into the water. And when a wave slash emotion would come towards me, I would then run away toward the shore where it was safe because I didn't want the wave to come Mm. up to me and take me under. Because to your point earlier, I didn't know if the emotion was so big that it was going to carry me in the undertow and take me under and I wouldn't be able to recover from it. So that's what I would do with big emotions. I just would not feel them. I would see them coming and be like, oh no, 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 no. And like turn around and run away before they would come up. And I still do it to a point. Like I've had to work really hard in therapy and my therapist had to, has to constantly bring me back because I have a tendency to kind of veer off to try to avoid to it. Avoid, and yeah. she's so skilled in what she does or that she's able to hear that and bring me back and force me to sort of confront the wave in a way. And I forgot where I read it, but I know I read somewhere where if you actually confront like a big emotion, it really moves through you in about 30 seconds to one minute yep. total. Yep. So that fear that I've always had of being carried under, never to come up again, drowning, mm-hmm. you know, never going to seek air again mm-hmm. is just a fear and nothing more than that, because if you actually let the emotion move through, it moves through in a very beautiful, succinct way. Yeah. And if you, you feel it. it, it it it's like it processes, metabolizes, whatever the words are, and moves through you instead of remaining stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I so relate to that. Yeah. So like I, and I didn't even know that until I wrote it and read it back to myself and was like, wow, like I didn't even know that I felt that way, you know? Yeah. So that was a huge awakening for me in that way. Did I tell you about um, when I um, realized uh, a number of months ago that I was filled up with grief? I'd been absorbing sadness and grief on behalf of all kind, everybody in my life. And this is without blame. Like, this isn't my parents' fault. This isn't my ancestors' fault. This isn't my former husband's fault. This is no, it's just life. There's grief and there is loss. But I came, I came to a very, very clear understanding that my body had been absorbing other people's grief and sadness. And I was taking it on forever, like since being conceived. Because I was born, I was conceived out of wedlock. And so there was a lot of shame and grief and, and, and stuff my parents had to go through. Um, and so as I'm being knit together in my mom's womb, there is, I'm being washed over also with a lot of sadness and grief and loss and, um, a lot of her dreams that were forsaken. Cause she went, okay, here we go. They got married. They are still married to this day, 53 years later, you know, they, they did everything they could to make right. And my parents are awesome. And, but what I realized is from that moment forward and then in childhood, even it's like I adopted this, oh, there's tension around me. There's stress. There's something wrong. I'll absorb it. I'll go ahead and dance and make people laugh. I'll distract people from it. I'll just absorb it. Then later in life, my kids, I didn't want my kids to have pain. So 
we'd be in certain situations with tension in my first marriage, let's say, and I would try to absorb all of it. Like people told me later, oh yeah, Jen, you were always like the sponge who absorbed it all on behalf of everybody. And what I came to realize a few months ago is like I literally was saturated and so full, there was not room for one more thing. It was like I had this visceral response and reaction with my body where I knew if I don't start moving some of this through, it's all trapped in there. I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So then... I go to my massage therapist and I said, I, and I told her about all this and that I just felt like I needed physical, I needed emotional, spiritual. I was pursuing everything I could. I mean, I'm talking called my energy worker to my massage therapist, to my therapist, to, uh, so I did physical, emotional, spiritual, like trying to purge this stuff, move it out of me. Like I just knew like that was the answer. And I'm not kidding you as she worked on me and she was, um, she's super intuitive and just this beautiful, um, has this beautiful intuition and, and just feels energy really well. Like she can tell what's going on in my body, obviously by touching my muscles, but also she just is very in instinctive and intuitive that way. And as she's working through me, I remember situations, faces would come up in me and it was this strange, peaceful, like, oh, things I hadn't, people, things, situations I hadn't thought of in since childhood, some of them. And it's like they came up and I saw them and with grace and ease, I just felt like, okay, I said goodbye to them. I felt them like they, it was like they left my body. It was the weirdest thing. And I honestly believe that is true. Like our body holds on to the stuff. So anyway, I don't even know, was that even anything we were talking about, but that just felt so pressing right there with what you were saying. Totally. No, I think it makes such sense because as you were talking, it was making me think about, I forgot where, I think Dr. Gabor Mate talks about this a lot. I don't know if you followed his work, but he talks a lot about the body storing emotions Mm -hmm. and like how it needs to be released Mm -hmm. and movement. In, in some capacity helps move emotions as well. Yeah. And so in your case, like going to the massage therapist, they were massaging it through, yeah. you know, getting it out of your body that way. In my case, I started doing yoga. For mm-hmm. some reason, yoga was very resonant to me as far as moving emotions, which is funny because I'm actually more of like a hardcore athlete. Like I like the hard stuff, like running, yeah. lifting, things like that. Yeah. Yoga was such a surrendering type of practice for me and it was very difficult, but I felt such release when I would move into different poses. And I really think it's the same thing that you were just saying where things were stored in my muscles and through the breath work and holding poses and the surrender of it, I was able to release some of those emotions. But I didn't know that until I started doing it and feeling it. My gosh. And I remember one thing that I still can't do to this day, which is so frustrating is um like a headstand, like an inverted he- headstand. Yeah. And the instructor told me he was so good at what he did, very spiritual, very into his work. And he was like, I know you can do this. He's like, you can do like pull-ups in the gym. You, you should have no problem doing a headstand. It's that I was afraid. And he said, you know, and I was going up against a wall. So it's not like yeah. I was trying to do this freehand. Right. And he's like, you're afraid to go forward. He's like, you're stuck in your past. Ooh. And so when you leave the floor, which is stability with your feet, you're leaving the floor, you're unable to go forward because you're afraid of what's next because you're so stuck. Oh my God. And I still can't do it to this day. Like I'm still working on it, but it's one of those things that so frustrates me because I've been wanting to do it for so long and I still haven't released that fully to be okay with it. 
okay, Christina, that's going to be crazy because the day is going to come where you're able to do it. And it's going to be like this spiritual epiphany, like watershed moment in your life where it's emblematic of, because y'all, if you saw Christina, she's physically fit like no other. She's so strong. She's so fit. So it's, this is a mental thing. And so when the mental and the physical and the emotional and the spiritual all come together and you're able to do it, because I believe there's no doubt in my mind, there's going to come a day, it's going to be emblematic of all of this personal work you've been doing and making that shift mentally and spiritually and emotionally Mm -hmm. because your physical body already could do it right now. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's so crazy. But I, I really think it goes back to what we were talking about, about emotions get stored in our bodies and they affect us in such a visceral way that it prevents us from moving forward or, you know, just feeling them. And it's just, it's, you know, we have to try to work through that. And I think that's part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. As messy as it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's messy for sure. Okay. I feel like there's 9,000 other things that we want to talk about. Is there anything else I'm missing? Because, um, Mm, I'm trying to think. Do you feel complete? We'll edit this out as you can tell. <laughs> or maybe y'all just hear this is how this goes. <laughs> Welcome to podcasting. I mean, it is a real conversation. It is a having. real conversation. Thank you for that. It is. It 100%. is a real conversation. I just think like the one thing that I think about is just before how you were talking about, I think it's just so important for listeners to realize it's not an either or and the both and thing. Like <sighs> yeah. that's it's such a real thing. Like that's such a real thing that it's not either or. And for people that yeah. or people pleasers or perfectionists or all the things like you'll be waiting forever like literally yeah if we think about it that way and so i think it's important for people to just realize that everything can coexist beautifully together yeah instead of trying to perfect everything first well and i can't help okay you know what you just reminded me of see i the last few months have been crazy some of the best time in my life because i took five weeks and I went because I, my whole goal when starting my career later in life, because I raised my kids for 21 years, starting my career later in life, I said, if I'm creating a career of my own design, my kids are launched. I'm a single person. I'm going to create it around the fact that I can travel and work other places because that's really important to me. Like I feel alive and well when I am traveling and going and living in other places, cultures, Etc. And so I was in Europe for five weeks over the summer, and it was honestly one of the best five weeks of my life. It was amazing. Okay, so back to what you're saying. Uh, if I would have postponed the joy, if I would have went, I can't because life wasn't perfect. Still, I'm still trying to get balanced in meds. I'm still trying to get balanced, but I mean, I'm feeling so much better these last few months, but I really could have easily said, this is not the right time. I, I, there's plenty more work I could be done. There's plenty more money I should be making. I mean, there's a lot of things, but I was also going to go there and, and work and make connections. I mean, there was a lot of good things happening too, but it was also some vacation and time with family, et cetera. I guess my point is uh, what a loss the things we delay or don't do or don't think it's the right time because we're wading through other hard stuff. It's like, let's wade through the hard stuff and then also have the happy, joy, good stuff. But it's almost like 
I don't know if that comes from the whole, you got to earn it. You got to earn your keep or you don't get to enjoy life or have fun until you've sorted A, B, and C out. Like where is that? Where does that even come from? I don't know where it comes from, but are you, I'm such a, yeah, like that resonates with me so much because I live a lot of my life like that where I'm like, oh, I can't do this until I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So it's like, who the heck, who said that? I have no idea. Why can't I? (laughs) Why can't I go? Why can't I do this? Really? Like why? Or because my retirement account's not full yet and my savings account's not quite where it should be. I, yeah, I'm not talking about being irresponsible, y'all. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pursuing beautiful things and bringing your beautiful work into the world, creating, doing things that bring you so much love and joy. And, and, and it's not because you earned it or because you were productive enough or because you achieved some bar and then you get to go enjoy A, B, or C. Like, I, I, I think I think that's really important, especially for people like you and me. Like, there are some people listening right now; they've nailed that. They're like, "Oh no, I get how to take care of myself and have joy and go do the things and have the balance." But I think you and I have had to learn it a little bit. I think we're still learning it. Totally, definitely. I'm getting it. way better at it, though. I'm not going to lie. After this last summer and with going and traveling, I'm telling you, I've gotten way better. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Even just hearing about this trip that you just took, it's so... It's ridiculous. And that's the other thing too. When you finally decide to have joy, you get to share it with people. Like it's inspiring to me to hear about your trip. Like that's the other part of it too, is like when you actually say like, yes, I'm going to do these things, you then get to share it with other people and they get inspired, you know? And I just think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think so too. So with that, may you be inspired. Thank you for listening with us and processing this and and just also hearing us out as we're kind of navigating and verbally processing some of our stuff. And I hope it's doing the same for you listening. And maybe just we are not postponing joy and we are doing the both and and embracing that it can be both messy and beautiful. It can be both chaotic and certain it can be all of those. What's that called? A paradox. I think it's called a paradox yeah. where they're opposites. It can be life is paradoxical and that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're, we are going to have more conversations like this. Oh, we have some stuff up our sleeve when we talk about the seasons we're in. So Christina will be back. You can look forward to it. And, um, but for now, I love y'all. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. Listen for Real is produced by the Jen Oliver Collective and is edited and mixed by Mark Brown. Our music, entitled Zero, is written and performed by Shannon Curtis. If you believe conversations like these belong in the world, would you please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast? And even better, share it with someone else as a real conversation starter. And if you crave something in person, join our audience at the Real Conversation Speaker Series. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you next time.